Vamos. Welcome back to Ghostbusters Minute. Ghostbusters Minute is the fan podcast that chronicles and overanalyzes the classic 1984 film Ghostbusters Minute by Minute. I'm Kyle. I'm ready. And again, folks, we are so blessed to have Crystal Beth here on the show with us. Crystal, thank you for coming back for another minute. Oh, of course. I wouldn't miss it. We're so lucky to have you on this week. Um, Crystal, for maybe if anybody who possibly missed the last episode and they're just for some weird reason, they're tuning in to minute number 61. uh, Could you let everybody out there know who you are and what it is that you do? Of course. My name is Crystal Beth and I am a comedian living in New York City and I host a video game podcast called Unlimited Lives and it's super, super, super fun. You should listen to it if you like video games, even if you don't. And I do all of the minute podcasts if they let me. Yeah, and we really were lucky whenever you said you'd come on our minute because uh, Brady had been talking about having you on for a long time, and I was yeah. like, absolutely, let's have her, you know. And we really love that we have a actual New York native here on the show to yeah. tell us what we're getting wrong about New York too. <laughs> so. so far, you guys are doing okay. Yes, yeah. How you does... know not to sit on the ground. <laughs> Stay off the ground, rat blood, roaches, and just all sorts of sharks and souls. (laughs) Yes. So do you, watching Ghostbusters, I know you said you just previously just watched the whole movie to kind of get a good feeling for it. Uh, Mm -hmm. Do you find yourself pining for the 1984 New York compared to the New York you're living in right now? No. (laughs) It's a whole different beast, isn't it? Oh, yeah. They've done so much to make this city so well. As soon as I say this, my my nose turned up at my own thing. I was going to say they've made it so much cleaner, even though it's still dirty as hell. But uh, (laughs) it's much nicer. Yeah. Even between when I was visiting here when I was younger and now it's they've done a really good job with it. And the only thing I miss about the 80s is the clothes. It's funny that like Ghostbusters 2, they make a point to talk about New York as if it's this cesspool. You know, we have the emotional slime that's underneath the city that is a threat because everybody in New York is so negative all the time. And it's crazy to think that like when I think of like safe cities in uh, the United States, New York is probably like at the top of the list. You know, it seems. Oh, like, yeah. It, 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 I mean, I'm not being sarcastic there. It seems like so well policed no. and everything like the few times that I've been to New York walking around, I never really felt. Uh, that I was in grave danger, you know, that within my vicinity there was protection or something like that. So it's funny. Oh, yeah. It's funny that, you know, they made Ghostbusters 2016, and I thought one of the things that they would do is compare how safe and kind of like um, uh, sanitized New York is now uh, comparatively to how it was in the 80s. But I, they didn't do that, and I think it was like a missed opportunity. Yeah, it's hard to do when you shoot everything in Boston. Uh-huh. That's true. That's the other thing is it didn't feel that, like New York also because it's on the on the mean streets of Boston. So yeah, crazy. All right, which are the cleanest streets per capita and per garbage can in the United States? New York is Boston. Wow. Oh, Boston is. Oh, okay. New York is not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, were you guys ready to get into minute yeah, number sixty-one? Oh, yes. Awesome. Okay, so in the previous minute, we saw Lewis Tully delivered to the Ghostbusters via police paddy wagon. And after hooking Lewis up to a scientific-looking nickel-plated colander helmet, Egon has asked him what his name was. At minute number 61, Lewis Tully responds that his name is Vince Clortho, Keymaster of Gozer. At 61.03, the camera cuts to a wider shot of the room where we can see Janine Melnitz sitting on the couch with an open box of Cheez-Its. She has Lewis's wallet in her hand and says that according to his wallet identification, his name is Lewis Tully. At 6110, Janine hands Lewis's wallet over to Egon and asks Lewis if he wants any coffee. Lewis asks Egon if he does, in fact, 
want coffee? Egon responds, yes, have some. Lewis mimics Egon's response back to Janine. Yes, have some. Janine gives Lewis and Egon a perturbed look and goes off to make some coffee. At 6118, Egon sits down and asks Vins about the sign he was waiting for. Vins responds that he is waiting for Gozer the Traveler to arrive in one of the pre-chosen forms. Lewis slash Vins says that during the... Okay, pardon me while I try to say this. Okay, uh... The rectification of the Voldundra. Okay. Rectifil- rectification of the Voldundra. Okay. The Traveler came as a large moving torb. Vince Lewis then goes on to say that during the third reconciliation of the last McKeatrick supplements, a new form was chosen, that of a giant slur. As Vince slash Lewis is retelling these tales, Egon and Janine give each other glances. Vins slash Lewis says that many Shubs and Zoles knew what it was to be roasted in the depths of the slur that day. At 61.43, Janine asks Egon to step aside and speak to her. Egon excuses himself and joins Janine behind the couch. Janine tells Egon that there is something very strange about Lewis. As she says this, Lewis is sniffing a glass popcorn container. At 61.55, Janine tells Egon that she is usually very psychic and that she has a feeling that something awful is going to happen to him. At 61.59, Lewis has now picked up a slight slice of pizza and is sniffing it and thus ends minute number 61 so we have a lot of character work in this minute from rick moranis uh, as the possessed lewis tully it's crazy that like he chose such a distinct route to go uh, with lewis in unpossessed form lewis tully kind of stands out as opposed to all the other characters in this, in this movie and then he has to do the vince clortho possessed even dumber version of lewis tully that's a lot of character work to be yeah, doing and here. it's done flawlessly yeah i oh. Sorry, yes, it really is. And this was something I wanted to say in the last minute when we were talking about uh, how Ghostbusters will stay throughout time pretty much because they didn't have a lot of uh, sci-fi. I mean, uh, uh, oh, God, what is it with the computer? CGI, CG. Oh, God, computer graphics. (sighs) They didn't have a lot of that. And also with this character, he didn't go super crazy. He was just kind of like, well, you know, I'm possessed by this thing. And it's... I feel like comedy and how comedy changes is stand-ups in the 80s were really wackadoo. You know, like a lot of high energy and like, what about that? And like sticky, Uh I guess. Yeah. And if you were to do this possession in a sticky comedy way that I picture the 80s being in, it would not stay. Yeah, we wouldn't be talking about it But because... Exactly. We would be like, wow, geez, Louise, that guy was annoying. But it's Rick Moranis being the most heightened, wonderful version of Rick Moranis. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and his, I love it. I'm sure that a lot of this stuff was improv. I mean, as we know, Ghostbusters is just like almost every scene has like tons and tons of improv. But he's like picking up and like sniffing the outside of this like popcorn <laughs> jar. I, I can just I can hear Ivan Reitman on set saying like, yeah, be weird, you know, interact with the element, explore the space. And he's like, OK, my decision on that is to just wipe a pizza slice across my face. Right. Yeah. And that part, I always, always, always expect him to lick it. I always <laughs> expect him to lick it. And then when he wipes it on his face, it's it gets me every time. <laughs> I know exactly what he's going to do, and it still makes me laugh. I, I'm really curious if Vins really is interested in Gozer coming back and destroying this world, because it seems like he's kind of having some fun in it. You know, he's yeah. like, is it, it, enjoying our culinary, you know, the aspects of the culinary aspects of our universe, the popcorn, the pizza, and uh, and then the coffee and the hot water here in a minute. So uh, there's kind of a little bit of an info dump here. This is a strange sequence because we do have the comedic uh, improv going on from Rick Moranis and the decisions he's making there. But then he's also asked to dump 
um, a lot of dialogue here, which, as you could hear in the, you know, when I was previously trying to read through it myself, it's not easy. You know, they're all like these made-up words, like Vildronai, You know, <laughs> and uh, it's uh, a lot to, that you could actually like um, uh, trip over. But he does a pretty great job with it. Uh, and I, I kind of like this scene because as much as much as Ghostbusters works on this um, like kind of improv comedic level, it, it, there's actually like this undercurrent of mythology that uh, Ray that's um, I was going to call him Ray Stance, excuse me, that um, Dan oh the actor's name, thank you, Dan Aykroyd. Huh, it's late in the day that Dan Aykroyd <laughs> created for this movie, and it's it's really this is kind of the only one of the few instances we actually get to peer into the craziness that he came up with uh, for this. So Brady, whenever he's going over the, you know, the Torb and the Slore and all this stuff, does that, is that aspect of the movie? Is that something that appeals yeah, to you? Yeah, it is, but it's not where it, it's like, it's there for you to um, get into or pursue and try and understand if you want, but it is not information that you have to know to understand this movie. It's like, hey, here's our right. lore. If you want to go investigate this and have some fun with it, cool. But it's not going to determine, uh, you know, how much you're going to enjoy the movie. You don't have to know this this shit from here out. Right. So, I Crystal, love that. Yeah. What you said earlier, you know, that you uh, do some writing for uh, comedy shorts, uh, stuff like that. That you're primarily like a character person. Um, mm -hmm. Does this kind of stuff interest you at all? The 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 backstory, the aspect, the stuff that we're not really seeing. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I usually always research stuff in the like background for things. That's it's honestly okay. So both my parents are alcoholics. Mm. I'm going to start this out weird. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, they or well, my dad is, but it's on both sides of my family, and I go out of my way to not drink a lot because I don't want that to happen to me. Sure. But I, you know, go, growing up with that, they send you a lot of therapy the therapist kept telling my mom that my addiction isn't in the form of uh, alcohol and everything, but movies, TV, uh, mm -hmm. when I find something that I like, I research it and think about only that for the longest time. So uh, it's like, a, a, I guess it's a disease, but I deal with it in the best way possible, which is just become obsessed with something and read everything you can about it. Like, uh, my John and I will, my boyfriend will for destiny, what we were talking about a little bit earlier off the podcast, we researched all the grimoire cards and find everything about like background. And I did that for Battlestar Galactica and star Wars, uh, Indiana Jones. This part, I have done a little bit of research into back of what he's talking about, but it doesn't yeah. interest me as much as other things did. It was a little boring, well, but not to get like on weird, you know, serious topics. First off, I'm sorry to hear that about your parents, but um, the fact that no, no, like, it's okay. they're have yeah. uh, an addictive personality or whatever, and then it just naturally goes towards something fundamental like understanding film and art and things like that is uh, always fascinates me. That's it's yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, Very it's interesting. it. It's weird what your mind does, and I thought it was just because I liked certain things. I would like I would watch Star Wars every day yeah. I got home yeah. every day and read about it. I had all the encyclopedias and it like freaked my mom out. She's like, why doesn't she what's wrong with her? She keeps pretending she's a deer and watching Star Wars all the time. And uh, <laughs> the uh, that's what the therapist said. I just think it's because I like stuff. I honestly don't know if it's because I, of know, all that. But I love to say what's things. wrong with that. I no, it's it's what's right with that. And anytime I hear about people right, you know, growing exactly. up and stuff like that who just have this uh like young kids who are just movies, movies, movies. I'm like, 
damn straight. They're on, you know, they're on the right course. So that's a, that's very cool. Right. I'm curious if a therapist might have a predisposition to look for that kind of stuff too. And maybe is reading in a little bit too, because I think, you know, I'm, I'm sure we're all kind of around the same age range. Uh, we grew up in the time for the best stuff to take a deep dive on yeah. as well. You know, like stuff mm-hmm. like Star Wars and Ghostbusters, especially with the Star Wars expanded universe. There was always just this wealth of, and I hate we use this word a lot on, on, on the podcast because it's an internet word, but content, there was yes. so much there for you to yeah. deep dive into. You know, if you, uh, uh, you know, and now, you know, with the, with the internet here, we just, if, Hey, if you want to spend an entire weekend, just going into what the never ending story was to every degree, oh you can totally do that. It goes to show like how far ahead they, the filmmakers and writers were looking. It's, it's like, you know, one day, Hey, maybe people are going to have better access to what this, you know, Hittites and all this, this stuff they might not have access to learning about now is, so we're going to put it in there and maybe one day if people want to investigate this stuff, they'll have the opportunity. But for right now, let's, let's follow the yes. relationship between Peter Venkman and Dana Barrett. So, and, and Crystal, it's interesting that you brought up Destiny as a point of that because I think it kind of has a little bit in common with Ghostbusters as far as how they deal with their mythology. Brady, uh, Destiny is a, a video game okay. from the guys that yeah. made Halo, and it has a very deep story, but the game does nothing while you're playing it to tell you what's going on. It's like no. you're, you're in the moment doing the action, and then every now and then there's a cutscene that – well, there's cutscenes now, but originally when the game came out, you had to open up an app on your phone or go to a website to figure out what it was you were doing. Mm-hmm. So if you really wanted to get invested in it the same way as you would like Ghostbusters, there was wikis out there that you had to go and do uh, external research to figure out like, why am I killing these guys? You know, what exactly. did they do that Who was are so they? bad? Yeah. <laughs> Who are the Vex? You know, right? I asked myself that question And then you read up the on them and you're like, oh, I don't want to kill them. They, they went through a lot. You know? Yeah, <laughs> The Fallen are just misunderstood. That's that's they my are. They that. want the Traveler back. That's why the Sepics, that's why they're all uh, round. <laughs> and we have the Traveler now. But it's a, it's a lot. And that also, I think my favorite part of, I know this is not a Destiny podcast, but I loved when uh, you went to the Reef for the first time and the Queen and her brother were so mad at you. And you're like, why are you mad at me? Yeah. Like, why are you being mean to me right now? And they don't ever yeah. say why, and you have to figure out why. And then they're not really mad at you; they're just like annoyed with everything. But they want you to help. They want you to help them. And anyway, uh, <laughs> Ghostbusters is great. I love the uh, the mythology of it. I like researching things on it. It's uh, not as interesting as Destiny for me. I like to just enjoy the presence of the movie as opposed to going into the history of it. So, did you there guys notice uh, that Janine is heating up the coffee on a Bunsen burner? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I love that, you know, they're, everything in this movie yeah. is held together by duct tape. You know, it's like we, we know the Ghostbusters at this point have a lot of cash coming in, but we just don't, haven't really seen how much. I imagine they've probably been doing so well they haven't had enough yeah, time to go out and these, buy a coffee maker. They don't maker, know what the hell to or, do with money. So, yeah. yeah. Right? Maybe, maybe it's a situation like in Breaking Bad where the guy was using uh, the meth lab to make coffee <laughs> at one point. Maybe a Bunsen right. is the pro- proper way to do it. I don't know. Maybe they just invested in a better Bunsen burner. <laughs> Maybe they just Janine invested some, in that. Some strange game on how she's trying to seduce uh, our uh, ego, <laughs> and just being—I don't know—a yeah. little overly concerned in an odd, odd way. She's very right. touchy-feely with Egon. She's like, what's what's the term for a person who is attracted to someone uh, because of their level of intelligence? Do you know what I'm talking about? There's, there's uh, a term. I think it's called. Human. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I just remember it was 
like it was it was it was a, it was a thing a couple of years ago where I just remember people referring to this uh, attraction to someone because of their level of intelligence, and I think Janine is definitely attracted to okay. smart guys, you know, because she's attracted sapiosexual. to sapiosexual. That is the one. Thank you very much. She's a very sapiosexual. In this movie, she's attracted towards Egon. In the next movie. I mean, Lewis is kind of a dork, but he seems to be a pretty smart guy. You know, he's able to get his law degree at night school, and he's also a CPA. So he's probably not an idiot. So I think, you know, she's just attracted to guys like that. But, yeah, her game is very strange, Brady. This is what a lonely woman it's, in the 80s probably would have done. It's a backstory that, like, you know, I would was... love to see more of. Is Janine. How the hell she got the job? Why did she come here? It's like, it seems to me like she's one of the people in the movie who has probably a better understanding of the outside world and how things work. And then she doesn't yeah. really mm-hmm. show signs of that. So it... Yeah, she's she's kind of like the lady version say, of Winston. Yeah. You know, Winston is the every, <laughs> is the everyman character to the movie who's, you know, kind of like bringing everybody down to real world stuff. Uh, Janine is the one who like Egon's trying to ask, like, well, what's your name? And she's like, dude, I pulled out his wallet. I have his driver's license right here. I can tell yeah. you his name's Lewis Tully. And then, but then she so does she's very like pragmatic. This, it's like, to that. Uh, just I don't I don't know. I wouldn't. Yeah, I don't know. It's a character that's it's interesting on how she operates on like two different levels. And I don't think there's any sort of like extended universe or anything like that that would ex- uh, explore her past. So. I think she's just one of those. I think she's smart. I think she's a smart person, even though she's a little dumb. I think she's a smart person that never had to really apply her yeah. brain to anything. Right. So she knows what she wants. She's going to just go and get it. And if she happens to want Egon and you know that you get men by touching them. <laughs> and uh, that's true. I think that uh, she's a sp- very special character. Yeah. I really love her. I was glad yeah. she was in so many of my minutes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I love when she pulls Egon to the side and is like, I think yeah. you're going to die. Yeah. She's just so blunt. Into the- also, it feels very New York because a lot of New Yorkers wear their heart yeah. on their sleeves in a very angry way. <laughs> so yeah. they're very caring, but if you didn't understand English and they were being caring at you, you'd think they you were know, yelling I gave, at you. I, I do some yeah. like Uber driving on the side and uh, I gave a drive to the airport. This guy who was um, almost like a stereotypical New Yorker from the Bronx and everything. He, he worked for like the terrorism task force in LSU or something crazy. But uh, yeah, everything Jesus. he was saying, he was talking about New York cause I love New York and he, we were kind of bonding over that. But the way he was like talking about it was so aggressive. I was like almost afraid. But uh, it was the sweetest <laughs> guy. But um, I don't know. Yeah, love New Yorkers. That's an interesting, uh, interesting thing you bring up about the, the caring, tough side of New Yorkers. A lot of people refer to New York as almost like its own country. Uh, and that is something that I've always kind of noticed about New York was that people would be like so upfront and blunt with you, but it was coming from like a place of love almost, you know, like I kind of felt like, uh, I, I would get slapped around while I was there, you know, That's but it was for my own good. That, um, <laughs> I, I always enjoy like Crocodile Dundee. I really like that movie, American Psycho, all of these movies that are just New York movies. That's one of the things I always find myself enjoying most about them is when they're out in the city. And I'm, you just feel the presence of New York, and they're capturing it so perfectly and everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just such a wonderful place, man. I love it. Yeah, It really is. So uh, with Lewis's kind of a spilling of the mythology here, I have a few notes on that yeah. if you guys want to know what a Torb is. Yes, uh, please. 
Nobody really knows. <laughs> a TORB is just kind of a word that's thrown out there in the script, but uh, in the extended Ghostbusters universe in the IDW comic series, a TORB is depicted as a giant crab monster. Uh, and then the McKeatrix supplicants are an unknown race or simply a group of races, and it could be that he refers to the Shubs and the Zools. They could be part of the McKeatrix supplicants, but it's never really defined. Uh, a Slore has been depicted in the Ghostbusters video game as a giant, almost like a Gila monster, or Skink. So the slore that ate the Shubs and the Zools, I guess, has a fire furnace belly, and it roasted them in that. So um, Shubs and Zools are two also unknown races, and it's important to, to say that we have Zool and then Zuls. Those are two different things, but it, the way he says it in the movie, it kind of sounds like he says Zools, uh, but they're spelled different and it's supposed to be something different. And um, Shubs is interesting because the, a Shub is probably a reference to the H.P. Lovecraft greater old one, Shub Nagarth. So, again, kind wow. of just a reference to throw out there. But, uh, yeah, so anyway, I've always found that, that little iceberg tip that he's throwing out there kind of interesting. But it's I really wish that there was a little bit more in the movie that maybe we got to see into what what a Shub or Zul was. It's not defined if they were, uh, like, previous inhabitants of Earth or if they were a human race, like the Hittites and the Sumerians that worshipped Gozer, or maybe if they were something in a, another dimension. But, anyway. Well, that's all I've so. got. Cool. Good knowledge. Yeah. Well, anybody got anything else about minute no. number 61? Nope. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. We're going to go ahead and wrap this one up and move on to minute number 62 tomorrow where Crystal Beth is going to be our guest once again. Thank you so much for joining us, Crystal. We really appreciate you coming on. We really yeah. enjoyed having you here. Of course. Anytime. Awesome. How about tomorrow? Tomorrow sounds fantastic. <laughs> How about minute number 62 tomorrow? We'll do that. Perfect. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, join us again tomorrow on Wednesday for minute number 62 with our special guest, Crystal Beth. For Brady, for Crystal, and for myself, Kyle, we're here to remind you that death is but a door, time a window, and we will be back. Ghostbusters Minute is a fan-supported podcast. To become a patron of Ghostbusters Minute and gain access to exclusive weekly bonus content, visit us at patreon.com slash gbminute. If you like the podcast, then leave us a review on iTunes. You can contact us at ghostbustersminute at gmail.com and visit us online at ghostbustersminute.com, facebook.com slash ghostbustersminute, twitter.com slash gbminute, and look us up on Instagram at ghostbustersminute. Our theme song is Ectoplasm by Audionautics, which is licensed under the Creative Commons Attributions License.